and welcome to Slogging It. Uh, January 25th, we're recording this. Probably be out on the 26th because Eugene's had a really easy day at work and we'll have nothing to do after we uh, finish recording tonight. Um, Dry January, Jono. That's why it'll be out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's why you look so tired. Um, but yeah, pleasure to have you with us as always. Please don't forget to uh, subscribe so you don't have to come and find us. Let everybody know about Slogging It, how good it is. I've had loads of calls from just randoms this week telling me about they just love us like talking nonsense and bickering with each other and you know they, they actually like the fact that it's it's kind of a bit of a lighter side which is great so um, yeah continue to to get involved I'm not sure if we've had many we we obviously put a call out didn't we last week for kind of comments and people to get involved and let us know what they think I don't know if we've had anything uh, I think we did forget to share the um, the fart pipe link we forgot to do that so we'll have to do that this week uh, what's it called. <laughs> Speak pipe, come on. Where'd you get fart every time? Are you talking out your ass again? I'm just going, yeah, probably, yeah. So, I'm just going, standard I'm Jay Gordon. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, um, other things we should mention early doors. I'm going to do this every time. Lord's Taverner, 60331, uh, three pounds donation to the tabs. Just if you don't, you're sick of me blabbering on about it by now, but go and check out what they do, uh, and then that should really convince you to part with three pounds. Uh, probably every week. What, uh, what do they have to text to it, Jono? Uh, no, they just text that number. Oh, tabs one, tabs eleven, isn't it? Tabs one, one yeah. to six three six, six. Tabs one one to six zero three three one. I haven't done that the last two weeks. No wonder they're complaining. They haven't been making any money. Uh, I haven't been telling people what to text. Um, yeah, tabs, tabs eleven to six zero three three one. Uh, please make sure you're at least eighteen or sixteen or one of the two, and have the bill payers permission to do so. Um, right, let's get into it. Uh, Eugene, where have you been? What have you been up to? Oh, crazy week at work. It's been busy, which is nice. Um, obviously, December was very quiet, considering I was off for most of it. January has been the catch-up of all months around work. Um, and more importantly, um, you know, work is, uh, is good, but more importantly, cricket seasons are coming along. So yeah. it's been... It's been all guns blazing on the cricketing front with arranging new partners and sponsors to new kit manufacturers to a whole bunch of stuff. So, yeah, it's been it's been ready. We've got our AGM uh, at Twickenham Cricket Club on the 7th um, of, of Feb. So, yeah, we're just getting ready for that too. Great day. Great day to some good fun. That's Robbo's birthday. Um, we'll, we'll touch on that near, close to the 7th of Feb. Of course we will. Um, yeah, it's been good. If I can get it signed off, Eugene, I might actually try and come down for that because there's another couple of clubs I need to visit in the area around that time. Um, but that's a sign. Thanks, mate. Um, Thanks, mate. You're going to bring Simon for his birthday? Absolutely. Well, I could do, but he, he <laughs> definitely won't sign that off. Um, Two-day two, two um, road trip for me and Simon down to London. Uh, um, didn't you have your first net last week? Or is that this week? No, last week I went to I went and had the bowling machine, a one on one with myself and Mr. Blake Vanderlinder. Um yeah. yeah. The very first ball I faced was straight between bat and pad and cleaned up all three stumps. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know which end of the bat to use. Uh I forgot to put my box in. It was just an absolute shit show. Nailed it. Right. Good lad. Uh, Great times. It could have only gone one step worse if it had gone straight between bat and pad and wrap you in the napkin. Can you imagine? <laughs> well, thick inside edge. Um, yeah. I text Blake on Friday. I'm still waiting for him to get back to me, and it's now Tuesday. Um, oh, you welcome know, to the world. Of him. Mention him on the podcast, and then he'll respond to you, obviously. Obviously, yeah. Um, but yeah, I went to Sixes in Manchester. Um, my first experience of Sixes. Um, and yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it, uh, which was great. So yeah, check Sixes out. 
those people who uh, have one in the local area. It's, it's loads of fun. Uh, right, Robbo, um, something – I mean, I'll just give this a bit of a precursor. So, obviously, you were one of the big drivers for Stogging It being set up, and then, obviously, we did your episode, and then out of the back of that has come some amazing stuff, right? But um, you've also had an opportunity that presented itself uh, that you've obviously done in the time since we last spoke. So do you want to just talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, so we we sort of, going back a little bit, when, when my episode came out, we we sort of started, did a bit of a, a speak about the Samaritans and stuff, didn't we? We, we spoke about how, well, the sort of the great work they do. Um, and they, um, so we, we, we reached out to them to see if they wanted to partner with us and stuff back almost 12 months ago. And um, we sent them off my story. I'm sure if you go into our website, you can find my story and, and what went off with it. Um, we sent them that. And then slowly but surely over the last sort of nine months we've, we've we've stayed in sort of pretty constant contact or i have with the with the uh the marketing people and um they've decided to make me their um their march appeal so um on thursday last week i felt like a bit of a, bit of a prize plonker to be honest they bought a photographer and um one of their marketing girls up and that was me walking around the local area with a photographer following me around taking various photos we did the blues. Um, Blue steel worked well. Magnum, <laughs> not so great. Did they bring the wide lens for you to get you make, get all your Sweden? Oh, he had to stand away away. <laughs> uh, yeah, he couldn't. I said, on, on, have you not noticed on the iPhone now you can have that 0. 0.5 thing? Mm. Uh, obviously, his forty five grand camera didn't have that on. Um, but no, it was it was amazing and chatting. Uh, got chatting to a lovely lady called Becky, not not my wife, but the same name. Um, about like what they do and how it works with them, and, and basically it's just a, a an appeal that goes out in March um, to their existing sort of subscribers and sponsors and, and however it works, and with the sort of work that obviously the Samaritans helped me out when I was at that particular low point, um, and and sort of that promoting that idea that talking about mental health, we obviously haven't done a lot over the sort of last this sort of season two on on the mental health stuff, but like. It's one thing that I sort of want to make sure that we're still getting that point out there that talking about it helps, and that's what the Samaritans do. Every every sort of couple of quid that they get means that they can pay someone, and that means that they can answer the phone to that one person that needs it at their lowest. And so um, they're another great charity. I know we. I, I don't want to be the sort of people that sit there and go, right, please give to this charity, please give to that charity, and all this kind of stuff, but we are a, a male podcast and certainly within there is a, a massive issue at the minute with, with males struggling um, especially through COVID and all that stuff. So if you have got a spare few quid, if you've got six or seven then three to the tabs and three to the Samaritans, you never know who you might help. And, and, and you could literally for three pounds save someone's life. Yeah. So it's not. I think if you if if someone could put every name forward and go right, yeah, I'll give three quid this week and I'll save someone's life. You'd probably uh, there's not many people around that wouldn't agree to that. No, absolutely. But, um, but yeah, so so yeah. Um, if if you are on their mailing list, you will get to see some ropey photos of my ugly mug coming through to you in March, and it's going on their website and added a few videos of sort of bits and bobs. But um, we're hoping to do. She actually sort of mentioned. Um, promoting uh, talking about the podcast within the article and the stuff that they send out and and so i'm i'm in a bit of communications with them to um to try and 
get a few more things going, whether we can get them up to some of our events that we we do and stuff like that. So, um, but they, they, yeah, they they do fantastic work. So that was me on, on that, that was me on Thursday last week. Yeah. Um, and then last night was my first net. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then I came home. So, so <laughs> I didn't even well, I didn't even go to the pub. I was that like. I don't. I had, a, I had a minor faux pas. I've not worn contact lenses. I, I used to wear contact lenses, and since I've changed jobs, I've noticed my eyesight's got better. So I rock up to my first cricket net, which is in a delightful sports hall. But unfortunately, in the net I chose to bat in, there's a dark blue door straight behind the bowler's arm, and my eyes. It turns out I probably could have done with, with my contact lenses in. Um. But yeah, it was it was enjoyable. I I, I really did enjoy it, and I, I hit it nicely through straight mid wicket. Um, and then from about inside edge, from lot about fifth or sixth thump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I edge a lot through square mid wicket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, to be fair, I hit one off the back of the bat through extra cover off the leg spinner. But um, oh, amazing. No, but yeah, no. So that that's a, that's me. But it was enjoyable. So yeah, how about you, Jono? What you've been up to? Well, I just before I go on to my week, I, I just must absolutely applaud uh, what you've just said about the Samaritans. Um, yes, the Lord's Taverners are our charity partner, but absolutely the Samaritans are a charity that we will continue to do some work with and an incredible charity. Um, so I think it's great that for you know for for us to you know for you to to do that. It's it goes to show that what we're doing on the podcast is working, and for a charity that like the Samaritans to want to engage with us and you through your story, which is a big part of why. Slogan it came about is is really really strong for us. So uh, we will continue to you know push that male mental health and mental health in general message as we get back to doing a few more interviews that will start happening in the next few weeks. Then you know there will be more. Uh, we will be getting back to that and talking to guests about you know experiences they've had. But uh, yeah, I can't echo what Simon says enough, and I'm sure Eugene will, will join me in that in the sense that you know if you do have uh, a few extra spare quid and you know the, the the issues around mental health, not only male but female as well, are you know absolutely heightened at the minute. And anything that we can do to try and do that, and you know, three quid to potentially save someone's life, uh, or even a quid or two quid or a bit more if you can. Uh, I just think there's the, the you know the, the feeling that would give people. You never know. You don't actively you don't act, you don't see it happen, so you, you don't actually get that positive reinforcement from it. But just be comfortable enough in the fact that you know you are doing some good by doing that, um, and that counts for. The, the tabs as well as the uh, as the Samaritans, but in two completely different ways, I guess. You know, the ta- they, they don't compete with each other as tar- charity in, in that sense, do they? So, um, on to my week. What have I been up to? I have work's just going berserk uh, as it does at this time of year, uh, which is great. Um, obviously, people will know about me falling over and decking my shoulder to bits last year. Um, I've had loads of physio on it and, and what have you. And I thought last night, I thought I'd try and... I actually bowled, I bowled a few balls the other week uh, at, at Louis. And the first one really hurt, then the second one hurt a little bit less. And then because I'd had a couple of pints at lunchtime, by the end of it, I could actually let go of it. But then I tried to bowl one ball last night. And it literally, you know, like when you see someone try and bowl for the first time and it hits the top of the net, that's like, <laughs> it literally did that. It was, I just can't, I'm really struggling. Uh, and it's, I mean, you, I mean, you, you know a lot more of my cricket in the past than, than Simon does. But when you've bowled as much as me and when bowling is such a big 
part of your cricketing personality as it has been for me. Like, it's absolutely devastating for me to think that, like, you know, last year that that game when I fell out when I dived and hurt myself could be the end of it. So you know, it's a pretty, it, you know, it's weird. I'm in a bit of a weird place with it, but. Um, if anybody knows any physios out there who like can give me a bit of advice on kind of certain exercises to do or whatever, and I, you know the the opportunity to talk to someone a little bit about you know what I'm going through and and where it hurts and whatever would be massive because I absolutely you know I'm, I'm desperate to get back to being able to to, to bowl at some point. So there, there's my little personal struggle at the moment. Uh, it's cricket related more than anything else. But um, I hope you heal well, bud. But <clears throat> just um. I'd really like to face you before you get better, just to make sure that I get my better. Yeah, you, you won't get to hit one. You won't get to hit one. You genuinely hit about four yards down on the joint of the roof and the side. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it, though, it, it would have probably landed. It would have probably landed at like gully. <laughs> yeah, it would have made Steve Harmison's first ball of the Ashes look straight. I mean, to be fair, yeah. to be fair though, sir, you say you wouldn't be able to hit one. Last time I bowled at him, he couldn't, he couldn't have hit one because it uprooted his off stump. So, uh, sorry, Huge, had to get that one in. Can't, 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 uh, can't let that opportunity pass pass me by. So, sorry. You're only as good as your next game, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, right, we should move on to what we want to talk about. We've actually got loads to talk about. There's a lot of stuff happening in cricket today. Um, but first of all, after I've just shooed Huge for the one time I managed to get him out, it just happens to be a glorious dismissal on my, my part. Um, let's be nice to him. I mean, not only did South Africa, just after the last time we spoke, they, they'd won that amazing test series 2-1, having been 1-0 down. Yep. Well, they've absolutely annihilated India 3-0 in a three-one-day match, one-day series. I mean, Bavuma runs, 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 runs. Dukat gets 124. Rassi van der Dusten looks like you're just never going to get him out. I was watching in the third one-dayer. He, he, he'd got 166 runs <laughs> as he went to the crease for the third dig and didn't have an average in the series. <laughs> Seen it well, are you, Rassi? Um, but, yeah, what a few weeks for South African cricket. Talk about, I don't want to say, new, talk about new names standing up. Let's let's go with that. You know, there's been so many things made about the Villiers retiring and Faf Duplessis and, you know, what, what, what a way to announce yourself to to make sure that the world knows who you are. Um, I, I must I must admit, prior to the Test Series, prior to the One Day Series, India, number one side in the world, I thought we were going to get, you know, a 3-0 drubbing in each of them. To win both of them, I think that the boys really, really did well there. Now, there's two schools of thought to that, though. The first is, did South Africa really play that well, which I think they did. Um, and the second is, obviously, if you're looking at it from an Indian fan point of view, the Indian fans are saying, well, what happened to India, that, the India that we knew? Um, is it because Kohli's, you know, stepped down as captain? Is it because uh, Rohit Sharma's not? There's so many different things going on. So there's two ways to look at it. But I'm going to look at it from a positive point of view and say, what a way for these new kids on the block to start announcing themselves. As you said, Rassi, Quinton's always going to be there. Did you see that stat on Quinton? He has the second most amount of hundreds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. The others have all played double the amount of games as him. Oh, he's a hell of a yeah. player. No, no question. Right. I mean, it's funny you talk about this, um, the the Coley impact. So I watched the one dayers with kind of quite a good amount of interest because mainly because I wanted to see how Coley fell back into the ranks, and I don't think he's done it that well, to be fair. 
he's almost kind of stood there. He's still giving it the double teapot. He's running over to Kel Rahul all, all the time just to kind of suggest, you know, oh, this is what I'd be doing or whatever. And um, yeah, I just I don't know whether he's going to be a positive influence. I just wonder whether he's going to be a bit more disruptive than anything. I mean, you look before he was captain, though, and he did that. Yeah, maybe. Like you, he used to run around the pitch and he teapotted and everything. But the fact, I, I don't know how much of that is being blown up by the fact that the the media and like if you think you're especially in that series where there's no Sharma, there's all these other guys are, are potentially missing. I'm not saying South Africa didn't play well. That's what they did. They played ex- excellent. And if India can rock up with one of about 45 or 11 of about 45 players at the minute, they still be most countries in the world. So that, let's not reflect from that. But if you think, if you're if you're watching the Indian team at the minute, you're going to have one camera, at least one camera at all times on Virat Kohli. And it's a cop-out for a director, I think. Yeah. To sit and go, right, oh, Kohli's got a double teapot on. That means he's being disrespectful for everyone. It's not, that's always how he's been. Yeah. Like it's, it's not... And, and if you're if you're Kale Rahul or whatever, you're going to want him coming over and talking to you. But I would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but there's also but, the thing about wanting to stamp your authority on it as a new leader and all that, and you don't. Yeah, I think that's in international cricket. That's that's hogwash. You look at people that do like look at when Ricky Ponting did it. The word that is. That yeah, I'm trying. I realised one thing I did want to say before. I realised I've listened to last last week's episode back. I had had a couple of pints. I did swear an a awful lot, lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, and so I am. I, I apologise to the listeners for that. Not a lot. I don't apologise a lot. Like I'm a little bit sorry. Um, I am trying to tone it down. <laughs> but if I do get involved in a proper rant again, then there's every chance that it might come out. Uh, but okay, um, I'm in. no, but um, yeah, I, I think I think stuff like that is is rubbish. I think they're, they're all professionals. They all know what's going off. Virat Kohli is the ultimate professional. Whether you like the way he goes about his cricket or not, he is very professional. Other than when he certain aspects, but like in yeah, terms of wanting his team to win, in terms of wanting his team to win, he goes about it in in the most positive of ways. And I don't think anyone can argue with that. Like, yes, you can dispute some of his behaviour, whether that as captain or, but you can't. Whether he was captain or not, the, the way he behaved in the Test series was out of order. Some of his behaviour has been out of order, but that has happened from before he was captain to. The yeah. same antics happened in the one-day game. I don't know if you noticed, but um, there was an instance when he threw the ball in for, uh, and um, Bavuma had a go at him. And he said, you know, I think he murmured something to the fact of, you know, you're not going to, uh, no, I'm just because I'm not captain, I'm not going to change. In actual fact, it's probably going to make me worse. I think he murmured something to that, yeah. So he's actually getting worse. Again, they, they playing the players, not playing the game. Like I said in that test series, they were so, so involved in the players that they forgot that they were actually in a cricket game. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And I think South Africa have done that perfectly. I think South Africa are one of the, the best sides in the world when you put them up against it. When you, you tell them they've got nothing. I mean, they've, they've fundamentally spent the majority of their professional test career with some kind of controversy or some kind we've got. We can talk about that again. I mean, we said last week that something was going to kick off and something's kicked off all of a sudden. But... Like I just hope what is going off behind the scenes. I I don't know exactly what's happened. I've not seen loads about it, but I just hope that doesn't derail. 
what I I think could be an excellent South Africa team. The progress that's happened, yeah. I mean, yeah. sorry, I've, the, the, I, I, you've lost me. Here. What's what's going? You on? missed the, have you missed the latest stuff that's gone on? So um, Mark Boucher um, is is going for um, well, he's got basically a tribunal, as well as Graham Smith are going to be going for um, again. It's alleged racism right now, obviously. Um, you know, go and look it up if you haven't had a, a read of it. it. It doesn't. It's not great reading. Um, if you're if you if you want Mark Boucher, I, I'd be surprised if he's going to be there towards um, well when the next series starts. If I'm honest, if 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 all of the the stuff that sticks is going to be there, so you know you probably find you're going to have a new coach for South Africa and a new a new whatever Graham Smith is, you know, director of cricket. Well, Graham Thorpe might be looking for another job uh, soon, so we'll we'll come up we'll come on to that later on. Um, so, all right, okay, yeah, I mean, look on the on the India South Africa thing. I, look, let's give South Africa the juice. They've played some brilliant cricket. They've scored a mountain load of runs. The bowlers have done well. Um, and so fully deserve the victory. Um, you know, you, you should you should always offer the victors in anything a congratulatory message rather than saying, oh, well, India didn't turn up. Well, 11 against 11, you go out there, you apply your wares, you do what you can, uh, and South Africa have dicked them 3-0. So... Fair play. Well, they, they, in the last five games of cricket they've played, they've fundamentally outplayed them. They got outplayed in the first one, yeah, granted. Yeah. Um, but then in the last five games of cricket, they've outbowled them, outbatted them, outfielded them. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm Not... thoroughly looking forward to the England series. I bet you are. Well, I think it should be a good series. I mean, yeah, I agree. If, well, England, if... England will be coming back off a 3 0 dicking by the West Indies, won't they? Um, so... well, to be fair, like, I... who knows? Who knows what's going to I mean, that, that we could sit there debating. That we could do forty, we could do a show a night for three hours a night, debating on what's with, with the state of England and South African cricket at the minute. I mean, you, we have we've fundamentally got no clue who's going to be there. Have we? Like, let, let's be brutally honest. We can we can think Joe Root's probably going to be there. Well, I was having a conversation with someone today who's very close to him, um, and there was there was a poll done. Uh, I think it was maybe a BBC poll. I might be wrong in that, so don't hold me to that, but. Uh, there was a, a poll of whether he should stay as captain, and he seems to have the public's backing. He he he, he won that quite convincingly. I think it's, it, it's right. Well, we can we can talk about England in a bit. Let's finish yeah, off yeah, talking yeah. about South Africa. Um, so, um, but, but yeah, um, well done, South Africa. Let's let's move on from that. Um, and obviously, they will be here in the summer. So looking forward to what is always a very good contest. Actually, Robert and I were out in South Africa last time England toured there, which is a glorious place to travel. Please do go if you get the chance. Uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful place. I don't think there's a place better, not just for cricket, but any kind of sport in the world than Newlands. It's just the most unbelievable place, and Cape Town is just the most fantastic city. Um, let's move just across the border then uh, into Zimbabwe um, and Brendan Taylor. Now, I obviously shared this. Uh, I, I got to this news quite early on and shared it, obviously, with you two, didn't I, about Brendan Taylor um, and the statement that he's made just before the ICC come out and say we've banned him for um, not match fixing, but not reporting an approach of match fixing. Match fixing. So um, the story is that he was um, approached by an Indian businessman. He then, you know, went over to to meet with them uh, under a proviso of some kind of business thing. They then. Um, Zimbabwe Cricket League, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and that's obviously, you know, 
should he have gone in the first place? Probably not. But he may have thought it was a legitimate approach about starting something in Zimbabwe. Uh, they've then got pissed, had loads of dinner, a load of cocaine gets brought out. He then uh, takes part in the consumption of Class A drugs, uh, which they've obviously videoed. They then storm his bedroom or his hotel room the following day and basically said, look, this is X amount of money. And uh, if you don't agree to what we're saying, then you're not going home and you know, so on and so forth, and lots of big threats. Um, I think by the sounds of it, he basically agreed to it to get out of the country. Bearing in mind, this is Brendan Taylor's, um, you'd imagine, very well put together with a lot of lawyers around him uh, statement. Um, so, you know, the, the, read what you will into it and how much of it is true or not. But then uh, he then spent, you know, four months worrying about it uh, in a really dark mental place about it as per the statement before he then went to um, the ICC and, and made them aware of this, uh, this approach that had been made. So um, the ICC, it seems, will ban him. Um, he's retired, so uh, there's not a, a huge amount that they can do from a playing perspective. I'm not sure how far they're... Um, well, they can ban him from coaching, can't they? They can take... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, look. I mean, I'm all pretty so. sure he's, he's made a lot of money over the years. I'm not sure whether you actually... Came across him while he was around, not side, but you know everyone that I've spoken to. No, I heard about him a lot. Heard a lot of stories. Lovely, lovely fella. You know, more than willing with his time for the younger lads. But um, look, neither the three of us nor anybody listening to this now will ever know the full extent of what he's gone through. Um, You can choose to believe Brendan. You can choose to believe that you know he's taken this and then you know for for the wrong reasons and then thought better of it or whatever. But the ICC will be releasing a statement, I believe, in the next couple of days. Um, it's just another poor thing for professional cricket, isn't it, Huge and, and Zimbabwean cricket at a time where you know things started to seem like we hadn't really heard anything about corruption for a while. Unfortunately, there's two things in life that are guaranteed: death and corruption. Mm. <laughs> it's just yeah. you know what? Any corner you turn around, there's going to be some form of corruption going on somewhere. Unfortunately, it's it's back in our in the sport that we love. Um, as you said, you know, believe it or not, it's 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 a statement that's come up from Brendan. It looks looks legitimate, as you said. It, you know, it's one of those statements that you read and you go, yeah, that that's a very well and articulated statement. As you, it might be lawyers involved in it, as you say, but I feel really sorry for him and if that did happen to him. And you know, I, I, I what is he doing? He's checking himself into rehab, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, I mean, he's got what four months ahead of him, and we wish him well. Um, and yeah, I, I suppose you know, I hope I hope. The world and, and the ICC look kindly upon him um, for him, you know, coming up and, and answering this. I'm sure, again, I don't know the story behind it, but I'd like to think that he would have gone to the ICC and, and nominated or, you know, provided this information instead of it coming out of the wash. Um, but again, you don't know the statement. That did happen, but I think the, the reason that they're coming down really hard on him is the fact that they, I don't think, it doesn't sound like they buy the fact that he was in a real tough mental situation with it for four months. And they're saying, you should have reported it the day after. And he's going, well, they threatened my family. And, you know, what What would that do to a man? If it, any of us, we wouldn't, you know. It's, it's incredibly difficult to even contemplate being in that situation, isn't it? But if you think that threat's genuine, then what do you do? You, you Of course, you put your loved ones first. Um, maybe slightly different for Brendan with him not now being involved in the professional game. I don't know what his aspirations are in terms of coaching and what have you, but, you know, the poor bloke, you can only imagine what, what he was going through at, at that particular point. But 
Um, you know, obviously the ICC have to be seen to come down hard on any kind of match fixing or corruption. As he referenced at the end of his um, statement, like he almost kind of said himself, he was like, "Look, we do get we have anti-corruption meetings, you know, three times a season, and at every tournament that he would have been to around the world, there will have been an anti-corruption meeting. So these guys are well versed in it. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to say, and it'd be wrong for us to make judgments on how he was feeling or his mental state at the time because we don't know. No one will fully know other than him." Um, and so, you know, I think, I think it's a, yeah, it's a tough one, but, um, for someone who's always looked like a squeaky clean pro, um, it's a, it's a, it's a real shame that this is, uh, this has happened to him. I don't know what, you got any thoughts on it, Robbo? I think it's a bit, the, when, I think what you said about him earning enough money, I think that I don't think he probably has earned a lot of money. He was, he did, he came over as a coal pack to not, um, but I don't think he was on massive money. And if you read his statement, he said he'd not been paid by Zimbabwe cricket for six months. Yeah, but I mean, so, CPL, Big Bash, IPL, which I'm pretty sure he's been to all of them. Uh, yeah, but he wouldn't have been on, he, what I'm saying is compare that to to a Ben Stokes or a, a centrally contracted English player. He's not going to be on, on a patch. like, And, no, and, and he's mean, probably trying to make it. They, they, but I think it's, you look at where this corruption comes from and you look at, it, it, obviously we, we've been told it's Indian bookmakers, so if that's the case, but you look at the people they're trying to influence and you look at the, the, the big things that they've been in the last 15 years in corruption in cricket have been around the poorer nations. They're sitting there and they're going to, they went to Mohammed Amir at the time and he's a 17 year old and basically offered him more money than, than it's ever going to be. They, they apparently offered Brendan Taylor the best part of 50 grand. Yeah, but I well, yeah. all right. So this this is where I disagree if, with you, simply because. And if if you've not, my point is, if you've not been paid for six months, and someone offers you fifty grand to go on a trip and listen to a business meeting, then that's a bit different. I don't like people people who talk about this the money thing. I don't think professional. If you you're a standard county cricketer, Brendan Taylor's not a standard county cricketer. When, when, I tell you what, when he was at Knox, he would have not been on a lot of money. I just, he wouldn't have been. I think if he wasn't on, I reckon he's on Northwoods is seventy five grand a year. Nah, I want to put him at that. He was there overseas. No, no, he wasn't. He was a cold pack. Right, but he's still one of their best players, and people know their value. No, I don't, I, if you look at it, I don't think he was. I think he was oh, the, the same as only. So he's played. Like, he's, I, he's played in franchise tournaments around the world. Okay, so yeah, yeah, but, but again, me out, it's, me out, right? So I'm obviously so I get to hear about things, and you know. Occasionally, people come to me and ask me about uh, my professionals and this, that, and the other. Now, one of my professionals has been offered sixty thousand US for a three-week tournament, and he's not the player that Brendan Taylor is. So, there's enough money flying about in these tournaments for someone to then, even if he's on fifty grand a year, he then takes that back to Zimbabwe. He's a gazillionaire. Yeah, but you don't. We don't know what he's been spending on. We don't know what his other, other outcome is going to be. We, we I, the one argument that winds me up in within sport is that that money all of a sudden becomes not an object because everyone thinks everyone earns millions. They don't, and people don't know what people people don't know what people are spending money on. It's a very naive thing to go like, right, well, this person's earning this. Mohammed Amir was apparently earning seventeen grand a year when he did 17 it. Seventeen at the time, not yeah, yeah but what. Look, but what I mean is there's obviously a reason why they're going after someone like Brendan Taylor. 
there's obviously a reason behind why they've done that. And that's because they know that they can influence him with that amount of so, money. Yeah, I mean, look, if he's... Gam- if so he's so gam- let's, or- let's not pretend that he's, he's, he's in this flush financial position where he's doing it for a bit of pocket money. He's not been paid for six months. I don't care who you are, in what world you live in, if you're on a salary and you don't get paid for six months, you will be in, a, in not a great situation. Whether you're a movie star, whether you're a, whatever, because you learn to live to your means. So this idea that everyone everyone seems to have it in their heads that there's this mythical figure that every all of a sudden, if you're earning this amount of money, then money becomes not an object. I don't know where it is, but I think to use that as a reason to go against him isn't isn't great. Like I, I, I stand there and I go, like I think the ICC have got more to answer to when it comes to this. It's all one and good. I'm saying right, we're throwing the bucket in, and he's checking into rehab. I know lots of I know I know a few stories about him from when he was at Knotts, and there's various different things that have gone off. So, and for him to be checking himself into rehab, this isn't the first time it's happened. Breaking news. So, so look, you, it's, that's not how rehab works, is it? You don't do something once and then get told, "Oh, you've got to go to rehab." Like it, it, that's not how the world works with that. You you don't you, when you're 18 and you have your first pint, you get shit faced. You, your mum and dad don't go, right? Off you go to rehab. Like that's not how it works because you're not addicted. He's obviously feels he's got an issue, and that the drugs or whatever it is is what he's gone in for. So he's obviously trying to sort that out. That's the sub. That's the thing I took out of that that he's obviously got an issue that they've taken advantage of. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, fair. And so for me, the ICC have got whether it's the fact if you te- if you're telling me that someone like Zimbabwe, who are the eleventh ranked or twelfth ranked wherever they are side in the world, are in a position where they're not paying their players for six months, there's an issue, isn't there? There's clearly an issue in the structure of cricket when you've got guys playing for England on a million pounds a year. You've got guys earning millions of dollars. Sorry, plus match fees. But you've got guys earning well, millions lose, of dollars. They lose them all the time for slow over rates, don't they, sir? Well, yeah. Um, mm. Like, the ICC, for me, have got to look at this and go, hang on a minute, are we are we failing? I think the ICC are massively failing the minor nations anyway, but that's a whole debate for another time. How you can have a World Cup where not every team in the world plays in it, it I think is baffling. But let's let's go for that in a separate issue. For me, if you look at where this corruption comes from, they don't go after Joe Root. They don't go after David Warner. They don't go after these guys because they know they can't financially influence them. How much match fixing is there in the Premier League? And if it is done in the elite sports, you look at the people they go to to fix matches. It's referees. It's people that are on the less money. Yeah. So they obviously felt, as Indian bookmakers felt quite rightly, that Brendan Taylor, a similar thing was with Hansi Cronje a few years ago. But they obviously felt that he was someone they could manipulate. Well, a few years ago, a very, very long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was someone they could manipulate for whatever reason. They saw he wasn't getting something that he thought he deserved. And so they played on it. And they're very clever, these guys. So the ICC has got to work for me even harder. And if one of the reasons is that the Zimbabwe cricketers haven't been paid for six months, that's as much on the ICC as it is on Zimbabwean cricket. Yeah. I'll tell you that. I like that's, that argument. That's that. That's my opinion. And I think if there's something that comes out of this, I hope he's okay because yeah. all the reports I hear about him, he's, he's a really good guy. Likes a beer from what I, from the stuff I've heard. So loves a beer, loves a chat. 
Like, fair play to him. Really good guy. Doesn't, I've, I've only heard positive anything. things about him, to be fair, as well. So. so I hope he does all right. But by the same token, I think the ICC have got... I mean, they they only have to look for them. They have to look after 12 teams. It's not FIFA. Yeah. They have to, 12 teams they have to look after, and all they look after is three. Well, it's and they don't look at those three. Look after them. Yeah, you know, it's three who control it, don't they? So, and we all know. We so all know what it, there's there's an issue somewhere with for me with how it's structured. What happened with Ireland and the stuff that's happening with Ireland and Afghanistan, and the the supposed second tier. How you can have that kind of structure in a world? I like it, Robert. So instead of restructuring the English counties, we should be restructuring world cricket. I like that. Yeah. Let's not uh, bite I, off more than we can chew. No, <laughs> I, I think, but. But I think cricket is in a in a very strange position at the minute. When you look at some of the other stuff we might talk about later, I don't know if we're going to have enough time, but we'll probably talk. We'll definitely talk about it in the future when it talks about finances within sport and stuff like that, and, and why people aren't getting into cricket. Yeah. It runs across the board. Cricket is elitist. Cricket is elitist, and if you're not in the top bit, the people above you don't give a flying whatnot. And I stopped myself. Then did you hear that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very well. I tell you, who I blame Tom Harrison. Absolute waste of oxygen. Um, and he, he'll have someone to do the ICC because he's the CEO of the ECB. Tell us how you really feel, Johnny. Yeah, he's a <laughs> waste of oxygen is a bit strong. Uh, I don't think it is. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, right, we shall, we shall move on. Uh, Brendan, do get well soon. Um, if, if you're listening to this, I don't know how you are. But, um, you know, we, we, first and foremost, uh, he is a bloke and uh, he, he needs to get right regardless of anything that's gone before. So our best wishes to him. Um, right, we are now. We're going to talk. We're going to talk England now. Uh, I referenced Graham Thorpe earlier, and so the Ashes is still kind of lingering over us, isn't it? But obviously, there was that thing about the the six o'clock police getting called to the hotel in Hobart, and there was a video recorded by Graham Thorpe, where audibly, um, well, he was audibly six o'clock, wasn't he? Uh, just because you know you could tell. <laughs> uh, but the only reason, the reason that he was. Uh, the reason that they were outside, the reports are, is that they were forced to go outside because Graham Thorpe was smoking a cigar inside in a communal area. Um, now, for a man who's the batting coach of a side that have just got absolutely fucking walloped, um, he's in a pretty weak position anyway. But, I I, I mean, the, the rumours circulating around um, cricket at the moment um, are that you know he will probably be looking for a, a new job soon. Um, so I mean that he's he's it, look it's just the end it's just the final thing in it of an absolute shit show what that was an Ashley series. The girls got the girls lost certainly the first P twenty. I don't know about the second one. Um, won the second, I think. They won the second, did they? Um, no, so, yeah. Well, there you go. That's the first game we've won in Australia for well about ten years. Um, I think I think that whole story is detracting from the D sort of, you know, unpacking of what happened in the Ashes. I think it's like, you know, it's detracting, you know, irrespective of what happened. In actual fact, the only investigation that should have happened is why the whole English side wasn't out there in their whites having a beer afterwards because, you know, the only thing they could do is drown their sorrows. From my perspective, all that's done is distract, you know, the unpacking of why England lost the Ashes. Because everybody's talking about that and focusing on that. I don't see many people talking about why we lost the Ashes or why England lost the Ashes. That's coming, mate. I, I, I think once they get home, there'll be a massive investigation into it. And I think it'll all kick off again. I really, really do. Um, 
but yeah, so that that's a, the, the kind of final sour point we hope of, of England sort to Australia. Um, let's talk about um, well, a slightly, and I say slightly um, more positive uh, start to the T Twenty series in the West Indies. Two games out of five completed. We're at one all. Had a bit more upbeat, John. You won a game. Come on. Well, you say that. <laughs> I mean, so we we obviously got absolutely hammered in the first one. It's like, oh crikey, here we go. Like you know, and there's very few of the the lads. You know, maybe what. One, is it? Bilbo's obviously gone out there. I don't think there's anyone else. That's it. That's it. Um, and so Sam wasn't really a part of the test side, other than he got called into the, the Hobart test, obviously. But um, it just looked like a hangover from the ashes, the way that they went about that first game. But then second game, I turned it off. I think they were 65 for seven, the Windies, chasing 170 to win. Um, at 65 for seven, I'm like, ah, ta I can go to bed now. This game's there. Uh, Done and dusted. And then woke up in the morning. Oh, England won. And then I re-look at the scorecard. I'm like, what? <laughs> they, they won. We won by one run. Um, and I hadn't really looked into it too much since that. But Robbo was telling us earlier, huge, wasn't he, about the, um, the the final three overs that went for how many? 59. And, what, and, and the one in the middle went for eight. The 19th over went for eight. So uh, Chris yeah. Jordan went for 23. And then... Uh, to keep Mahmood. 29, was it, or 28? 28, yeah. Bold. With the controversy of a wide being the second ball. Well, I love the fact, I love the fact that you need, they need 30 to win. And there's a controversy. You're, you're the bowling team and there's a bit of controversy over a wide might have seen them through. <laughs> but, I mean, you can you can perhaps tell you've not bowled it great there, can't you? <laughs> exactly. um, yeah, yeah, absolute shocker. Um, well, we've registered a win. Uh, which which is which is a real positive for English cricket at the moment. Um, next game tomorrow, and then Saturday Sunday again, isn't it? So yeah, that there's a lot, that King who got he was not out in the first game. He got a good, real good seed from Reece Topley in the second one. He got a duck, but uh, he looks pretty organised. Nicholas Puran looks like he doesn't know which end of it to pick up. Which for someone who's such a real gun player for the West Indies seems really strange. Um, surely Kyron Pallar's days are numbered. Um, just doesn't look at it for me anymore. Still, still been signed up for ten whatever. I don't whatever it is. He's the third, fourth highest paid player in the IPL, isn't he? Well, yeah. What what do we think? You come to you first. Yeah, good good start for England. I mean, look, the first game I think was just um, an unbelievable spell from Holder on a pitch that was doing all sorts. I remember watching it going cracky. I don't think anybody in the world could play those balls. And then it flattened out in the second innings, which is why England made, got made to look like, uh, um, you know, the, the fifth eleven down at the park. Um, I thought you. And then, say, and then, I thought you were going to say Tom Harrison at a DCMS meeting then, which would have been <laughs> no. just as Yeah, and then and then look, they, you know, they, they showed their class. <laughs> they showed their class in the second. The batting came together again because the ball wasn't doing as much. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow, and then obviously the remainder of the series. The one thing that does piss me off a little bit. What the hell did England West Indies get five series and South Africa only gets three? Sorry, five games in a series and South Africa only gets three. I think it's all about right calendar, isn't it? It's calendar, I think. And just, you know, different cricket being able to be played around the world at different times and what the scheduling looks like. Um, but yeah, talk it, they're, in, they're in Barbados at the moment, aren't they? Um, yeah. Horrible place to be, eh? Well, you say, you say that. I've just confirmed my trip there for the uh, test match um, in March. So very, very excited about that. Uh, Toby Tarrant will be out there with his wonderful fiance Pepper, so I'll be catching up with them. 
catching up with Joshua De Silva, uh, which I'm very, very excited about. I haven't seen him since 2017 when he played for me as our overseas professional at Old Wimbledonians, and now he's playing test cricket. So super, super, super excited to go out there and see Josh. Um, but yeah, sorry, I, I digress. Robbo, your thoughts on the series so far? Uh, well, the West Indies are the West Indies, aren't they? They've always been the same in short-form cricket. They're, they've got guys that can hit the ball miles, whether they bat at 1 or 11. Like, it doesn't matter. And they've got bowlers that... And if nah, the, the bowlers are OK. Like they, and, and if they happen to have a day out against you, they have a day out against you. I, I think you look at the way the West Indies play their cricket at the minute, I don't think there's any surprise. I, I think if you were to sort of say in, in in international cricket, in short form cricket, would you back yourself against the West Indies? I don't think anyone would go, yeah. Like, would you guarantee a win against the West Indies? You don't, well, we should win. But if if Kieran Pollard has a field day, if Nicholas Poran has a field day, if, this, if the number 10 has a field day, it gets 44 off 18 balls. So, yeah, I, I think it's the highest score by a number 10. In international yeah, T20 cricket, Akil Hussain, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and the other, yeah, like, the other lad who's the, the all-rounder. Yeah, yeah West so, Indies are the are the France of the cricketing world. It just depends on which team turns up on the day. Yeah, exactly. Like you're never sure. I mean, but to be fair, you, you look at their best players. Like you look at some of the, the guys that have just been in, uh, sort of coming towards anything. Chris Gale, you would never. He'd he'd either get like a horrible-looking two off nine balls. Yeah, or he just where, it everywhere. Or he just all of a sudden he's got 140 in. 35 balls and everyone's going well this this man is the universe boss it's funny and he'd, he'd write he'd, he'd, he'd write a song and Darren, Darren uh, DJ Bravo would, would mix some in it was, uh, while he was going I was but, thinking about that it's interesting you say that Robbo because um, you referenced something about Owen Morgan on the last podcast and he was saying that he is just a guy that backs himself and he knows that if he goes out there and it just clicks one day he will just clear the rope pretty much every ball because he's got it in his locker yeah and that was very much, that, that's kind of a bit like West Indies, isn't it? They either click and they're incredible or it doesn't and they're horrible. Uh, there's no... Yeah, uh, and you're always going to get that, especially over there, especially on their pitches. They've got some decent spinners, um, which don't make it easy. England, notoriously, don't play spin quite as well. You look at our top order, everyone always thought Jason Roy's had a bit of an issue against spin. That, the way that we want to play, if it goes wrong against their spin, if it goes wrong against spinners, we're just dinging it up in the air. like. That's how we go about it. So I wasn't massively shocked. I was a little bit disappointed. And then in the second game, that went more how I thought the game would go. But again, you can't ever think you've got those types, especially in short form cricket. You can't ever think you've got like the West Indies. They've got no rabbits. They've got they all got like Chris Martin, and I don't mean the Coldplay singer, and and like Glenn McGrath coming out at ten eleven. Have they? They've got people who can still play. Yeah. So I think it's a Bit of an, it's a bit of a, an odd series for me. I'm I'm not quite sure. It, it strikes me that what has probably happened is it's a thank you for coming over during COVID series. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly this first bit where we, we're not actually going to send, although there's most of this team that we sent out there under Ben Stokes' captaincy beat Pakistan yeah. last year. I'm like, I'm a bit, I'm a bit uncertain of it. What's happened to Liam Livingston as well? Is he injured or he's injured. is he playing? He's been really poorly, so he's he's out there, but he's just not. He wasn't ready for the second game. He's had a real bad start. No. Oh, okay, fair enough. But, but I, I just think it's a. It strikes me that this is. Well, we spoke about the other week. 
we, we spoke about it the other week, didn't we, where like England have got some questions to answer from the COVID stuff. This seems to be one that they're kind of answering by going, yeah, within four days of us being Australia, being, being absolutely hewned in Australia, we're going to go to the West Indies and play a completely different format. Yeah. Um, so we, we're going to have to move on uh, because we've got quite a big topic to cover off uh, finally. But just before we do that, <coughs> excuse me, um, I do want to reference my favourite bit of cricket that I've seen uh, over the entire winter, which was courtesy of Reese Topley um, in the second game. So I think it was Nicholas Puran. No, was it Nicholas Puran? Anyway, he's um, he, he's he's like a in-swinging Yorker. Uh, it's been it back up to him uh, along the ground. He dives, fielding stops it, and then just a brilliant bit of fielding to, to run him out. But it turns out that he actually hit the boot first and so would have been our LBW. Now, because they've then appealed, right, I don't know whether the appeal... So you think about... So a no ball would be given before a wide, right? Because it's the first thing to happen. If it's Not anymore. Appealed, <laughs> right? I would, you know, he's effectively cost himself a wicket, hasn't he, by running him out rather. But and would he have appealed for the LBW? I don't know. But in the laws of cricket, because they have appealed, do they not have to then give it out LBW rather than run out because it was the first thing that would have happened? This is where there's like, like that uh, eternal cricketing amusement from everyone, where everyone goes like, "Well, what were you appealing for?" No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's like when someone goes forward and they like, you're not sure whether it's inside edge onto pad. And then first slip, first slip grabs it, and you always when you were kids you'd always have someone go, "Well, what are you appealing for?" Yeah, but no, you're just appealing because you think some part of it might be out. Now, yes, in terms of like if Reese Top, if it goes to fine leg, for example, if it, you bowl a full one and it's on the boot, it goes to fine leg, and Reese Topley appealed, and the umpire gives it out, and then the guy throws the stumps down. Yeah, it's a dead ball. But if if they've only appealed after the run out, and the run out's been given first. Then, then yeah, he's outrun out. It's, as soon as the decision's made, the ball's dead. Yeah, but it went to so, it went to third umpire, didn't it? Yeah, but as soon as he signals, all oh, right, fair enough. Okay, um, that, you know what, that would really extend the game of cricket if you have to look at everything. Oh yeah, fair I mean, we're already checking front foot. You know, now all of a sudden there's appeal for a run out. Was it off the pad first? Show me uh, pitch vision, please. Was there a hot spot? Was there Snicko? Uh, okay, it's not LBW. Now let's check the run out. What do you reckon the weirdest, the one that would take the longest was? Like, if if you think of a ball, like, do you reckon we could have like a 15 minute ball <laughs> where something happens? Like, imagine how, how slow the game would be. Something happens. I think in swinging, like, full in swinger, inside edge, onto pad, caught, throwing the stumps down. No ball. Buzzers. Jesus, wet. Shut <laughs> what is that all about? I, I can't follow that. People will be in the... Right, let's say, let's say, right armour, right armour, runs into bowl. Full straight, falls over a bit, slight inside edge, onto pad, goes to the man at mid-wicket, catches it, just bungs it at the stumps, because he thinks, well, I'm not sure, not sure what it's come off, throws the stumps down. They go to the first review... Ah, bowlers appealed for cut for for something. Is that a front foot no ball? Yes. Right now we've got to move on to the run out situation. And in next week's Simon's mystical cricket in mysteries, we ask if you put your. I think I, I reckon we could get a fifteen minute ball. It couldn't be a no ball because then they wouldn't have had to go through the checks. If you put your, they wouldn't have had to go through the. If you put your jog strap on the wrong way round, do you wear your box at the front or at the back? 
Sorry, sorry. Who, who wears a jock strap? Well, you know what? I mean, who's worn a jock strap since 1972? There'll be, there'll be, there'll be plenty that do. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, well done, Reese Topley. Brilliant bit of fielding. Uh, the one thing that I do want to reference as well Andre uh, Russell, his run out. Run out, yeah. What an, in, what an experience that was. So he's running to the non strikers end. Someone tries to throw down the strikers end stump. So he's casually just like jogging to the crease. It somehow deflects. The throw's coming from, I think, gully or backward point. Yeah. Picks off what would be the off stump and runs him out of the non strikers end. And you buy yeah. champion. Um, so, yeah, so that was quite funny. Check that out if you haven't yet seen it. Uh, we're going to move on because Simon's little bit about the world's worst ever no ball, come wicket, come catch, come run out. We could turn this into a two-hour podcast. Um, so, now, another absolute shitstorm for English cricket today. The Middlesex chairman, Mike O'Farrell, um, was – I mean, the DCM, DCMS committee must love – uh, people from English cricket coming in because they just make an absolute mockery of them. But he's basically got himself in a bit of hot water today, had to release a statement after the fact saying that he was misrepresented or people misunderstood his comments. Um, but, you know, hasn't painted himself in a great light. Now, th- there's a lot of problems going on. And I know, obviously, Robbo's got some views on this. Eugene's got some views on it. Um one of the comments, and I can't remember, I said to the lads off air before, I can't remember whether I've brought this up previously, but one of the comments was that uh, pathway cricketers of Asian descent, uh, and he's been he's been harangued for this uh, off, off the back of this, this um, hearing this morning. Um, Asian cricketers, or, or cricketers of Asian descent in the pathway, fall out of the game because they go choose to go into higher education. So, um, look, as I said in my episode, as someone who's dealt with racism a lot, um, I feel like I've got a pretty balanced view on, you know, things to do, to do with race. Um, now, someone, I, I see myself as very English. I see myself as very white English. Um, but, you know, I, I, I obviously have a lot of experience of this. Um, not of being in a professional pathway, mind you, but um, there, there are. So we talked, we also referenced Zafran Sari. So Zafar Ansari played for England, played for Surrey. Um, now his mum, I may be, I may not have my facts one hundred and ten percent correct here, but pretty sure his mum's a humanitarian lawyer. His dad's a professor. His brother's a doctor. This that, and the other, and he came out after he retired and kind of tongue in cheek said, "I was kind of made to feel like I was the poor relation because I was a professional cricketer." Now, the Ansaris come from, I can't exactly remember, but I think they're, they're yeah, so their heritage is, is Asian. Now, I have a view on this, um, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying to say it's the right view or whatever, but from a lot of it, from, from my experience and people that I know who've been through this, in my view, there is pressure because from people who, who come from, a, you know, a second or third generation immigrant family which people from South Asia are or wherever. I just happen to be adopted, so I've got no fucking idea where I'm from, quite frankly. And I'm okay with that, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but there, there is, a, there is a, almost like a status thing to live up to. So, you know, there's a lot of incredible doctors and lawyers and whatever, and you know. But I, I do think, and this is, me saying this, is in no way racist at all. This is just talking from my experience. There are a lot of Asian families who like, that would like their kids, if they're bright, 
to follow a more academic path than being a professional cricketer because they see that being far less risky to go out and become a lawyer where you can earn 100 grand a year for 50 years than be a professional cricketer where you can earn 100 grand for 10, if you're lucky. And we all know that in professional cricket, until you become a real big signature and a real big name, you're probably lucky to it. You're probably earning 40 grand plus, you know, 30 grand a day match tax or whatever it is. So I kind of, it's maybe difficult for me to say I have sympathy with Michael Farrell because I think a lot of what his comments were, were were unfounded and probably misguided. But I think he probably just chose the wrong way of saying it because I do think that a lot of Asian cricketers are maybe pulled from the system because they, their families put pressure on them because they, that's not the direction that they want them to go. Now, I am fundamentally not a racist. I am the most anti-racist bloke you'll ever meet in your life. But... I do think there is something in that argument. Now, the other thing he said about, you know, young black men and, and wanting to play rugby and whatever, that that's a right load of shit. But I do think, and there is experience of it, and documented experience of it from Zafar Ansari, that these conversations within Asian families who've come to, you know, as a status thing, it is an issue. Thoughts? I'm aware this is probably very, very difficult for you two to comment on, by the way. And I've not... This no, 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 no. I think, I think his comments are, are, are misguided um, because I think just because something happens doesn't make it a rule. Now, we all know, we all are aware of Zafar Ansari. I played cricket at Knotts with a guy called Anurag Singh, who was a, a very successful lawyer. Um, we, we are aware there have been situations where... Cricketers of Asian backgrounds have pulled out of cricket contracts um, for very successful and well-earning jobs. Um, there's also a very large amount of people within who, from non-Asian backgrounds, who've pulled out of cricket to take on very successful jobs. Yeah. So, I think, I think, like I say, because something happens doesn't mean you can use that as the rule. And I think that applies on both sides um, of any kind of debate. You, it's a bit like the defence of, well, he was doing it, so I did it. Like, it's you can't use it as a defence line in a debate. Yeah, yeah. My, and this is my personal thought, is if cricket in Asia is massive, and if you were to say to 90 to 95%, I don't know the number, but I'm sure it's very high, of Asian families... If your child was to be a professional cricketer, would you be happy? They're going to say yes. And that's Asian families in India, in Asia, and in England, or the UK. Let's take that. So for me, the issues don't don't come on. I, 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 for me, what I think he's done is he's pulled a couple of bits out the top and then gone, that's the reason. Well, no. No, no, no. That's not how it works. The reason that... This is my belief, and, and I said on the when we did the, the, the podcast a couple of weeks ago talking about the Azim Rafiq thing, I have never experienced myself racism, out and out, what I would consider out and out racism. Yes, I've heard talks, and yes, I've heard things, but my I've never seen anything that I had a deliberate intent on being racist. I think some of I've seen things that have been ill-informed, but I've never seen anything. What I have seen is a massive classism issue. 
Yeah, we'll come on. And that goes on to we'll come on to that. And sorry, I don't mean to. Pick and, off, I just want to. I just want to answer you on something that you've just said. Um, and as always, the three of us challenge each other. And this isn't. I'm not. I'm, I'm just coming back to something that I'm not challenging you directly. Um, what? In in terms, I think the, the the situations between being a professional cricketer in India and being a professional cricketer in in, in England for an Asian family is incredibly difficult. Di- different because. If you've got an, a, an opportunity for your kid to go to Oxford or Cambridge, it's very difficult, different from going to a, a, a run a, a university in India, because if you can then become a, a, a symbol of it, well, it is, isn't it? Cambridge or Oxford, like in the it, it, it depends on those people, doesn't it? Like we all know people that go to Oxford and Cambridge and play cricket. I got offered a place at Oxford and Cambridge to play no, to no, play cricket. No, 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 but no so I, I think so. I think it, this is for me is where it's a bit different. Like there's multiple. There's multiple ways of getting into it. When, if you, you're defining, people are trying to define it by what we perceive to be elite. No, no, we, no, we're no. Not, we, no, I'm we, not. We, we, I'm not. What I'm saying is, for, for Indian families in India, I would, and I've never lived in India, but I know Indian families who've lived in both India and the UK. Um, if you grow up in India and you get the opportunity to potentially become the next Sachin or the next Kohli or even Rahani or you know a professional cricketer, when you're in a billion people, that's it. That is like that is like godlike. You don't become. You're not godlike if you're an Indian family in the UK and then you become a professional cricketer here. It's two completely different scenarios, and so they then it becomes more about a status thing, and because they can then t- honestly, honestly, I, I truly, I don't, I don't, I don't dispute you. Like I say, I've, I'm, a, I can only go by my experience, and my experience is yes, I've seen people, I've never known. I've never had someone walk up to me who's in an elite player pathway system or around around my situation who's been in an elite player pathway system that I have felt has then gone, no, I'm not going to play cricket because I want to do this. I've I've never experienced that. So when my experience of when it has happened has been, and, and that's not me saying it doesn't, by the way, but I've never personally experienced or known anyone do it. I The people I've known move aside from a cricketing career who've been very successful cricketers like I say I can go we can talk about Rory Hamilton Brown we can talk about uh, Anurag Singh we can talk about Zafar Ansari we can talk about we can we can all reel off names of people that have left pretty successful well Rory was injured that's why I finished yeah yeah but he he, he decided he was, he was having enough and he didn't want to didn't want to like there's loads of stuff that's gone off but but what I mean is that we can all sit there and reel off names of people that have pulled out of elite sport and not necessarily just because of whatever, whether it be their background. There's, there's multiple reasons that go into it. And I'm not saying that pe- think pe- parental to... pressure. Sorry, I may have got, I may have missed, like maybe not explain myself properly. I think the, the problem, when you talk about the arguments of how many South Asian cricketers are making it into professional sport, I think my, the problem is that they're being pulled out of it before they even reach it. Because it's okay, you can go to Oxford or Cambridge. They're not even getting the opportunity to go through the full pathway, I don't think. So someone like Anurag Singh, obviously, who then left professional cricket to go and be a lawyer, fine, that's different. He'd already kind of gotten to that full professional level. I think there's a lot of um, kids once they're seen to be quite astute academically, that would, you know. And as I say, this isn't, this is not. I am the most anti-racist bloke you'll ever meet. But, no, 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 and I don't think anything anyone said like is could be construed that way. Huge, huge. What do you think? Yeah, my thoughts on this are: it's not about pathway; it's about inclusion. Irrespective of where people are aiming for, it's making sure that people are included, 
you know, whether they are a bus driver or whether they own a multi-million dollar business. Who cares what their um, their 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 class or their financial situation? And cricket is supposed to be all inclusive for anyone um, that wants to play male or female or however you identify. And I suppose that the comments that were made probably didn't back up what what you'd like to think Middlesex have in their plans. And I suppose that's that's why. Um, and it's really interesting. I don't know if you guys actually saw followed the social media stream. There were a number of people that were backing up Jono's comments about, yes, that's exactly the way it works. But there were others that were going the other way that are saying that is absolutely the wrong thing to be saying. So it's interesting that it's divided social media. And obviously, people will have their opinions on whichever way it will go. I think it's From my perspective, cricket brings people together. I think it's 100% the wrong thing to say. But I think it does exist. So, but... I think the reason why I want to highlight my viewpoint on it is is that, you know, as much as I'm having my own battles with the ECB at the moment, and they've obviously been, you know, causing themselves no end of their own issues. One of the one of the big arguments at the moment, and one of the things that they've been targeted with is there's not enough, um, you know, players of descent reaching that point of playing in the full professional game. But I just, my point is that I think that, that is a contributing factor. The reasons that I've just discussed, I think, are a contributing factor because you've got you talk about all these youngsters of those, you know, um, those backgrounds who play in the EPPs up to being 16, 17 or whatever. But then it can't just be a reason that people are saying, oh, no, I'm not picking you based on your skin colour. There are other contributing factors as to why there aren't as many South Asians or black cricketers playing in the professional game as there are from 11 to 16. And all I'm saying, I'm just raising that as one of the contributing factors as to why I think that is. I'm not going to mention. I'm not going to mention who has this comment or who made this comment to me, but um, he has the opinion that it has to do with the schooling system that you come from, irrespective of your the colour of your skin. Okay, so that's another thing, and I well, I agree. There are and will always be more professional cricketers reach the county system, and Robbo's an exception to this rule. Um, but the, this, well, people call it public school, uh, people call it private school. Fee pay, let's call it fee-paying school, okay, rather than the state school programme. Even when I was, I left school in 1999, I think I might have played five games of cricket in the five years I was at school. Now, and we never had, we never had cricket nets. It was only about what, how you learned to play cricket at your club and you started playing adult cricket as early as you were good enough, you know, as you were growing up. Now, Scott Boswell, who we've interviewed twice on this pod, who was a brilliant contributor, is the director of cricket at Trent College, which is a fee-paying school. Now, as he openly said on the podcast twice, he will work with people as much as they want to work, and he will stay until 10 o'clock at night, and he doesn't get paid any extra for it. He's the director of cricket. But if kids can have five hours of one-to-one coaching every two weeks, rather than kids who don't have access to any of that at state school, then, of course, those kids are going to surpass the quality just because they're playing more. It's that whole 10,000-hour rule, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And it's it's just not feasible as easily or as quickly within the state school sector as it is within the fee-paying school sector. And so I don't think it's about, you know, I I, I did something because we, we're, through Woodstock we're involved in Bunbury. And then I put something on about proud to be associated with it. And I got hammered on social media. Oh, you know, you're you know, you're causing all these issues, and it's only poshos who get to play at Bunbury and this that, and the other. Well, look, the Bunbury Festival is about 
the best 55, 15 year olds in the country go in to play it out over a four week period and they play for the North, London and the South East, South West or the Midlands, right? If they all happen to be from fee paying school, then that's just it. Like, you know, some, some players break the mould. But unfortunately, the way it is, is the more access you get, unless your parents want to pay for all these extra coaching sessions, and we will come on to this in a second, um, then it, it, it's much harder for kids in the in the state school sector to, to have the amount of exposure that they need to hone their skills, to be comparatively skilled to the, the lads who are, are getting to play all the time with one-to-one coaching. I've got a. Uh, when it comes to cricket, when it comes to sports, in fee-paying schools, how many of the lads that are playing cricket in those teams, in those their first teams, are paying fees? Not many. Well, the scholarship. Well, yeah, I don't think scholarships are so, as wide as. So this, this, the issue for me is, and I think it leads quite nicely onto that is, if if it if it was. Like I, I know a, a, quite a few lads that got scholarships to private schools. I've always called them private schools. They didn't pay any money. Yeah. Well, they they got there and then they worked on it through it. So for me, if that's that, that is the definition of what what elite sports. You look at the American model of elite sport. Is it doesn't matter where you've come from. If you're good enough, your talent will get you through to it and you'll be given the opportunities, which is how I think elite short sport should work. But I think, and it comes on to the next stage, if you've got somewhere like Trent College, we've named them on this so we can use that already, who, are, who their kids are playing up until 18 and they're effectively getting 150 grand's worth of education or whatever it might be, I don't know, free, then for me, Yes, they're going to be in a better position, which is why I, I dislike this thing when within cricket when they go, oh, it's this private versus public or whatever you want to, whether they state versus non-state, however you want it to be, because some of those players won't have come from wealthy backgrounds. Talk me through what you mean by opportunity, though. It's interesting, and I, I want to compare this to South Africa and the upbringing that most people will go through from a South African point of view versus versus in English. So, you know, you go to a... a, 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 a we call the public schools in South Africa is in the government based, not yeah, yeah. you don't have to pay for them. You you um, won't play cricket. You won't play cricket over here. At the you minute. won't. You, you, no, you, you might get a couple of sessions of PE in the summer, but you've got to remember when it's the summer term over here is eight weeks. Yeah. Like cricket is played in the six week holidays. Yeah. So, so interesting. You, 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 I, I yeah, it's a South African example. I went to a, I went to a, a, a government school in South Africa. We had nets there. I went to a boarding school. So I had the opportunity to net seven days a week if I really wanted to. My mates would go. We would go and bowl, throw cricket balls at each other for hours on end. You don't have that opportunity to do that, yet. No. You, you, you do, but kids do have it, but they've got to go to clubs, not at school. Because private school, because it, it, it's this old adage thing. And we'll, like John, we spoke about before we came on, you look at, how much did it cost for a pair of football boots and a football? Yeah. But you, all a kid needs to do is play football at school. You might need shin pads. <laughs> it's a set of shin pads and a pair of football boots. And with the, for the best one in the world, you can get that for 25, 30 quid. They might not be the best ones in the world, but you can get a pair of football boots 
and a pair of shin pads, and you can go and have a run around with your mates on the park. But to go and have a game of cricket, or a reasonable game of cricket, when you're 13, 14, 15, you've got to have, we worked out earlier, you've got to have 500 quid worth of kit. And that's not even good kit. That's just middle of the line kit. Yeah. Actual personal equipment and not access yeah. to a ground. And not actually, and then you've got to get your access to the ground. So you've got to pay your club, your club fees. Yeah. You've got uh, how many private parks do you see? With, I mean, it might be a bit different down in London where they do a lot of LMS and stuff like that, where you can just rock up, but you still got to pay for it. No, no, you still have to hire. You have to hire every ground, every cricket ground where there's an artificial. You have to hire. Yeah. So you think about that as compared to a council park. I can walk five minutes from my house. There's a football pitch with goals out on it all the yeah. time. So kids can just walk off, go and play on that, have a kick about. Done. Can you do that with cricket stuff? Can you imagine a kid that goes, right, yeah, we're going to take, even if a private park has got an AstroTurf on it, right, I'm going to take two sets of stumps. I've got to get 11 mates here as well. Like, there are no public nets. Mm. You're right. So you, it's it, the, the fundamentals, because of how football works, you can you can stand at football, and me and, me and you, you could go to a park, we could have about a minute and a half of me kicking it at you, and then about a minute of you kicking it at me before we go to the pub. But we can do that. You can't do that with two of you in a private park. You've got to find a ground. You've got to have stuff like that, which is, again, it's just the availability is just not mm. there. If you want to, if if you want to, like I can remember, I, I I had one cricket net at school in the time I was there, and I loved it because there were some idiots in my year at school. And at the time, I was 14, and I was actually quite good. So I just used to bomb the life out of them. Hey, right. And, and, then, and then we'd play football in the winter, and they'd all boot my gangly ass up in there. Yeah, I suppose that's why inclusivity in clubs is so important, isn't it? To make sure Correct. that you allow anyone and everyone to join your club that, you know, adds value and adds diversity to your club. Yeah. And I think the majority of clubs do. The majority of clubs definitely around here, 100%. Um, do yeah you might have some old footy duddies with some slightly dubious views that that i'd say is more generational issues than it is out and out discrimination yeah but i I think the problem comes when it comes to taking that step like like say if you're good enough at 14 you'll get a scholarship you get and you're playing club cricket and you're doing all right at your club and you've been fortunate enough to get into a, a county setup that might give you the opportunity if your parents can afford it. Mm. But that's then the problem. This is where this issue comes because I think Rob Key did something the other day and it works out it cost him nearly nine hundred pounds. Yeah, the pre-season training. Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm just I'm just wary. So we, look, this is a whole new kind of worms that the three of us have got lots of, yeah. lots to talk about on. Uh, we're an hour and 15 minutes in, so uh, I think we should pick this up uh, on this issue the next time we record. I think, that, you know, we can do an episode all on that and, and just kind of cover off other bits quite quickly. Um, but, yeah, we could go on for, you know, this could be another hour and a half, uh, talking about all the issues that we know are, are, are being faced at the moment. Graham Swan, Matt Pryor, Rob Key, as you say, Robbo, bringing issues up. So uh, we'll leave it there for tonight, but we will pick this up because there's a lot of stuff that needs covering off and there's a lot of stuff that needs talking about and um so yeah thank you all uh for listening uh thanks to woodstock cricket and big smoke brewery for their continued support um look any any uh physios out there uh please please let me know um, <laughs> looking for a new sponsor <laughs> any um yeah look any any input any comments you've got about what we've been talking about then just let us know like you know we we just discuss things we want you guys to engage on uh, Speak Pipe, 
Uh, we will send the link out this time. Um, look, info at slogginit.co.uk. Um, social media, um, followers, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, but yeah, just let us know what you think about what we're talking about. Um, thanks as always to Lord's Taverners. Uh, we must also mention the Samaritans again uh, and Robbo's, the great work that Robbo's done with them this week. Uh, please support both of them if you can and have the means, but please, by no stretch, overstretch yourselves uh, to do that. You know, um, charity starts at home and all that, but if, if you can, then, then please do uh, try and help both charities out. Uh, but for now, gents, uh, well, Robert, it's been a pleasure arguing with you again. Eugene, uh, it's been a pleasure, as always, spending time in your company. I love you both dearly. And, uh, yeah, we will chat again next time. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.